Hello everyone, welcome back on the Agri Adventures program. This is Simone Berliat and I'm going to be your host. Today we're going to have a chat with Kuhn Janssen, a young winemaker and sommelier with 15 years experience coming from Belgium. He has been creating wine and natural wines and during this interview we will speak with him about his wine styles, the choice of his history and why he has done that and few interesting facts about the wine world. Enjoy it! So, um, my name in, in summer far enough, my name is Kuhn Janssens, but you say Kuhn Janssens. I'm born and raised in Belgium. I'm from the north, from Antwerp. I came to Australia about eight years ago. And I'm also I'm a certified SOM. So until let's say maybe two years ago i was worked in hospitality so uh, i did michelin stars back in europe and i also worked in different countries like the netherlands belgium and france and then in australia i worked a bit in, in sydney i worked in key restaurant and bloodwood before jumping to sa and working at bistro dom press africola and a few other uh, venues um yeah and it's because of one winemaker Actually, two one. Actually, a gang, the NST gang. I'm not sure if you know them. The next natural selection theory. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, they don't exist anymore. It's um, Tom Shobrook, Lucy Margot, Antoine Klopper, James Erskine, and rest in peace, Sam Dukes. He unfortunately passed away what, five years ago now, four years ago, yeah, five years. And they, because I knew natural wine already in Europe, but I've never seen anything from Australia. And as maybe you can relate, but as a European and being in Europe, you don't see much Australian wine. I'm talking about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know much about Australian wine. And then coming here, meeting these four people and then asking James Erskine on, on an event, can I do vintage for you? That's how it started for me. That's where my winemaking story started. So in 2013, I did vintage with James Erskine, Yoma Wines, and Lucy Mago after that um, in the same year. Then I jumped to Lucy Mago in 14 with Coda Barrels. And in the 15, 16, and 17, I worked at Spinifex, where I also started um, one brand called Bink and my other brand, because I've got one another one called Yeti and the Coconut. That's me too. So with Yeti and the Coconut, there's two of us. There's Dave Geyer, who's the Yeti, uh-huh. and, I'm, and I'm the Coconut. Because we don't make red wine for Yeti and the Coconut. It's only white wine, orange wine, or rosé. Um, and then Bink is just me, and it came along because Peter Shell told me every vintage that you can make wine and you have the grapes and you don't do it is something is a vintage that you'll never get back. So that's when I started Bink, which is, um, yeah, more, um, yeah, just me. It's daunting, daunting sometimes, but yeah, I love it. It's just me, myself and I making some more natural, biodynamic, organic, whatever the word people are using now these days is, mm-hmm. um, that's the kind of style of wine I'm making. That's me in a nutshell, basically. Well, I can say that uh, you, you've concentrated a lot of things uh, in, in one pocket of two minutes and a half, man. You speak about <laughs> dynamic, you speak about organic, you come out with the orange uh, wines, we will speak about the, the skin content with white wines that over here is not done, it's done rarely, which will be really interesting. Also, I thought you were going to speak about Pinot Gris, because a lot of people, they don't know that Pinot Gris is grey. That's just something that I guess... Yeah. 
that's a whole can. There's a whole new can of worms because well, gris is a red variety, but it doesn't give color. It's like Sauvignon Gris or Grenache Gris. That's why it's called Gris of in French, gray. Because if you put Pinot Gris on skins, um, it becomes like bright, like pineapple orange. Not pineapple orange, blood orange. That's the color you're gonna get. And it's the same with Sauvignon Gris, which is not a variety in, in Australia, but more in South Africa. Then you have Grenache Gris, which um, the guys at Yangara play with, and there's a, a new other plantings, all planting the Brossa. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, that's a whole different thing. Okay, now you like I was trying to understand what you mean as per natural wine on this wine. Like, what have you done uh, different? Like, if- so natural wine is I don't think that's the my take on the whole wine industry and the movement of natural wine, which I think started in Australia about eight years ago or 10 years ago is about rules and Australians, especially when it comes to certain age group individuals with certain type of skin, love rules. They love rules because they can control and manipulate the rules to their benefit mm, and okay. natural wine, organic wine, biodynamic wine in general doesn't have many rules. It's more, it's more, I'm going to say a lifestyle. It's more philosophy. So mm-hmm. in my opinion, natural wine, organic wine, or biodynamic, for me, it starts in the vineyard. And I want to use systemics. That's my main rule, not systemics. Why? I'm a father. I got a son who's five years old. Mm-hmm. We live in a polluted world. I'm, I'm not a hippie. I drive, a, I've got a Volkswagen Amarok. I've got a U. The saying that if I can minimalize my impact on the world by having five, six vineyards that I use and work with, and eliminating any systemic or pollutants in the vineyard and just letting nature control it more often. Why not? Because if I can create a tiny touch, a better world for my son to give him a better space of or air just in general, then why not? And that's my philosophy about it. I'm not a hippie. It has to make sense too. Like natural wine is more a way of life. And that's the vineyard side. And the wine side is... I don't use any um, tartric acid, citric acid, uh, proteins, enzymes, uh, wood chips. Don't think I use the sulfur because I don't have the education to make it a, a preservative-free wine because it's, it's really, really, really hard. And even the word preservative-free is a bit of a joke. But yeah, it's it's um, so the wine that you've got, Sergeant J, um, from my um, personal brand it's called Bink. So to quick describe the whole thing, the B and is actually it's the old car sticker the old car sticker for belgium so in italy it's it's i just the letter i belgium is the letter b so my label is the old car sticker during the cold war for belgium and bink is the nickname for where i'm from in in belgium so all the cities have nicknames okay and among belgians we actually refer to each other with our nicknames so this i'll, I'll quickly explain the name sergeant J. So my dad was in the army for his entire life from age 18 until age uh, 55. And he, yeah, he he's one of few people I know that can pick Grenache in any wine. It's quite impressive. So that's why I named it the wine after him. Okay. And I'm going to say it's a medium bodied wine. Yes, it has wood. It ha- it's aged I in, old, in old, old barrels. It's aged in old barrels. Barrels about, they're currently 10 years old. So then they were eight years old. But a barrel in my opinion, it's not a flavor component. It's to break the wine and rebuild the wine, more the tannins. Okay. That's how I look at barrels. Because also in this case, this Grenache, 
is from a block in the Brussels Valley called Sealander. And it's a hundred year old bush vines. Well, they're not bush vines, they're bloody trees. Like I'm, I'm six, four and the vine is bigger than me. It's, it's insane. Um, so they're big berries. It's a very spice driven wine with a little bit of licorice because of an ancient component now. Fruit four components that I think are going to be very soft and elegant and, and very gentle, gentle tannins because I'm, I'm, I'm not a serious person, so I'm not going to make serious wine. That's also, I want to, you know, transfer that philosophy into my winemaking more than anything else. How you use the wine? That's a good question. Huh? That's a very good question, actually. Like, how would you use it? Well, I would call um, the second one wine. It's, it's a pretty, it's, a, it's also a cloudy one, so I don't filter or, or, or um, find or filter anything else, so it's a cloudy Grenache. And it's quite, in, like the last time I had it, this time a couple of months ago. I was actually blown away how intense it was. not full on like Barossa Chiras, but it was very elegant with a lot of layers, like almost peeling an onion. So I think you have to warm up your palate already to wine. So you, you're expecting something. But my main thing with wine, and that's each, all the wines that I make, if it's yet in the coconut or with Bing, is I want the wine just to give you enjoyment in where you are at that moment in time in your life. So if, if you're having a conversation with someone, I want you to pick up that glass, have a sip, have two seconds and be like, oh, fucking God. And then your conversation starts again. That's all I want. I just want two seconds in your life that in, that's ingrained in your, in your history. Okay. And that's it. I, I don't, I'm not searching for, and then I think if, if your wine, as a winemaker, if my wine gives someone a memory to a certain location, like next time they see that bottle in the bottle shop and be like, we drank that wine xyz with those people i think that's 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 for me it's the best thing ever but coming back to your question i think it should be as a second have something beforehand mm. and have to want my wine after that that's what i think okay and i assume is a a wine that you eat oh no nah, not per se oh, not really can. okay okay uh, you know fans i'd say if, 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 if I would, you know, you're a som, I'm a som, we look at wine as building components, like the, the bricks and the food is a mortar or the other way around, how you want to play it. If any, I would say, have, um, I would have this, I would love to have this wine with roasted vegetables, like carrots, parsnip, beetroot, with a, a, a soft, salty um, feta cheese, like slightly melting off, on top of it, and underneath like a little lapne. That's it. That's what I would, I would drink this wine with. That's, oh, by the way, Cork, cork. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> God, God, them Portuguese people. It's um, why Australians don't like cork is they bought, oh, it's a bit both ways. Or they bought shit corks, or Portugal gave them shit corks. Mm. So it's whatever answer benefits you most. Yes. Because yeah. in the end of the day, if people say cork is bad, but look at all the biggest wines in the world. Look at Chateau Margaux, Aubriand, Lafitte Roti, Le Rothschild, Moton Rothschild, yeah. Romain de Conti, Annie Corton, La Loubise Le Roi, Trévalon, um, La Tourbonne, Chateau Iquem, and any champagne, we pick any champagne, they all cork. All of them. Look at the biggest, well, maybe, I'm not sure about all the Italians, but like the big, the big like Tignaello or, or Soldera, like big Brunello guys, they all cork. Gaia. I think all the top range, all the Barbaresco's and all those guys, that's all cork. The thing with cork is 
back then it was the only option. Now there's more options. I'm happy that entry level fast consuming wines are under Stelvin or are under those closures because mm-hmm. they're more environmental friendly because they're mass produced. What cork needs, you need a treat basically. Mm-hmm. Even though you have recycled corks like there's Diam or there's um, there's Vink or vice versa. Yep. Those corks still for me are not entry level. They should sit a touch above that, like wines that should be aged between two and five years. Mm-hmm. And then top top boy cork actually be for you know top top range wines because in the end of the day people say like yeah but Stelvin ages no it doesn't it's not the same as cork it's is you gonna say a robot is the same as a human no it's not true so well quick intense and uh, I'm really looking for taste your wine uh, tomorrow and uh, I will probably go and taste some other of yours. Look, I'm, I'm the same as you. I graduated hospitality high school in 05. Um, I'm certified some as you. I've tasted, pretty sure you've tasted more big boy Italians. I've, like, people ask you, what's the craziest wine you ever drank? I was like, well, if you look at value, I once tasted, I'm going to say I tasted, a Homony Conti 78. And I was 12, this is now in 2004, and I was 12,800 euros back then. That's the craziest wine I ever had. Or well, actually, there's one more craziest, an 1867 Chateau Canon. From the from the Bordeaux region, that was still amazing. It was blowing, it was mind blowing. Wow. But at the end of the day, it's it's that's a part of this interest industry too. It's it's people say sometimes to wank. I think it's called memories. Like if as a winemaker you can give a memory to anyone, mm-hmm. anywhere in the world in, in their lifetime, oh, yes. hey man, that's beautiful. That, yes, that's beautiful. so um yeah. Yes, it is. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, uh, so Grazie. thank you very much. So, I hope that you enjoyed the interview with Kuhn Janssen and uh, the opportunity to learn more about his wine style, natural wines and the sustainability behind it. If you enjoyed the experience, please don't forget to share and like. And then don't lose the opportunity to visit agriadventures.com.au where more experiences correlated with wine, virtual and non, are available for you to enjoy. See you next time on Agri Adventures.